Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, as on last week's, we'll be celebrating three birthdays, those of Teddy Grace, Al Stillman, and John Golden. We'll also be on our best behavior and do some name-calling. She's only been heard on the show twice before, way back in 2001 and 2003, but in a last-minute change to the playlist, we're going to start off with a first-time birthday tribute for Teddy Grace. American female jazz singer Teddy Grace was born Stella Gloria Croson on June 26, 1905 in Arcadia, Louisiana, to Albert L. Croson and his wife Fanny. They were a family of means, and Stella grew up on a 48-acre pecan orchard with six siblings. At the time of the 1930 census, she was married to George E. Grace and living in Montgomery, Alabama. Teddy Grace first sang professionally in 1931 and was heard on radio in the South. She sang with a number of different bands, including those of Bob Crosby, Paul Whiteman, Al Katz, Tommy Christian, and Mal Hallett. She recorded 30 sides for Decca starting in 1937 and in 1938 married Harry D. Maple. Disillusioned, Teddy Grace left the music business in 1940 in part because of her treatment by Decca. She joined the Women's Army Corps and sang at war bond rallies and shows, but her busy schedule took its toll, and she lost her voice and was unable to speak at all for years. Eventually, she regained a limited speaking voice, but was never able to sing again. Her married name was Stella Hurt at the time of her death in La Mirada, California, near Los Angeles, on January 4, 1992. She's buried at Riverside National Cemetery, the same place where my parents rest. Here are three from Teddy Grace. Goodbye, Jonah, goodbye. Take your very well bow. Maybe I have struck much too much good luck, but I'll manage somehow. Got no gal who says no. Got no use for you, Joe. So hurry, shake a leg, take the walking papers. Goodbye, Jonah, goodbye. Very well bowed. 
use for you, Joe. So hurry, shake a leg, take your walking papers. Goodbye, Joan.
rocking chair swing Well, it's rocking right in my head I hear the melody my mammy sang to me When she put me to bed I've got the rocking chair swing It's swinging right in my heart It seems that I can feel the turn of every wheel On that old baby car They go to sleep, my baby Still rings in my ear Cause you're safe in your mammy's arms There's nothing to fear I'd hear the sandman coming When she would start to humming Close your eyes, my baby I got the rocking chair swing It swings me back through the years When Mammy used to croon That sweet old-fashioned tune To dry my baby tears and his orchestra with a vocal by Teddy Grace and Rockin' Chair Swing from Decca 1190, recorded February 26, 1937. Rockin' Chair Swing was written by Vincent Lopez and Matt Schaefer. Before that, Teddy Grace encouraging you to sing. It's good for you. That was Bud Freeman's Summa Cum Laude Orchestra on September 26, 1940. Sing, It's Good For You was written by Harold Mooney and Huey Prince, the same pair who wrote Going to Town. We started off with Teddy Grace saying goodbye to Jonah on October 25, 1937. Goodbye, Jonah was composed by Arthur Schwartz, but the words were written by the subject of our next segment, Al Stillman. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Last week, June 26, marked the birth in 1906 in New York City of Albert Silverman. He's better known as lyricist Al Stillman, the story being that early in his career, in order to change his luck, he changed his last name to that of James Jewett Stillman, who, until 1908, had been the president and chairman of the board of National City Bank of New York, now Citibank. After graduating from New York University, he contributed to Franklin P. Adams' New York Tribune newspaper column, The Conning Tower, and in 1933 became a staff writer for Radio City Music Hall, a position he held for nearly 40 years. Stillman wrote or contributed to eight Broadway stage productions, wrote film scores, and with collaborators including George Gershwin, Arthur Schwartz, and Fred Allert, wrote dozens of songs into the 1970s. Al Stillman died February 17, 1979. Hits from the Stillman catalog include Chances Are, It's Not For Me To Say, both made popular by Johnny Mathis, and Home for the Holidays, which he and Robert Allen wrote in one day. Al had his own birthday tribute last year, but here are three more of his songs, which we haven't played. (laughs) 
come my way I dreamed you would be mine someday I'm glad I waited for you And you alone For now you are my very I know that heaven meant me for you In the long ago Meant me to adore you Just as time will show So I'm glad you waited for me And I was smart When I waited for you, sweetheart Cheerful, Charlie Fisher. I want my mama. He wants his mama. Although he'd pass for her papa, she's quite a nifty. He's over fifty, but he won't own up that he's grown up. So he sighs, Mama, Mama. I want my mama. I want my mama. And he can't count on his mama to lullaby. And pacify him And give him kisses when he cries Mama, Mama Ha <laughs> ha 
never die It keeps burning and returning to the last It brings back other nights for you It lies for you the past It was last played on the show in 2010. That's right, on April 18th. Howard Phillips with Dick McDonough's orchestra on September 2nd, 1937, and An Old Flame Never Dies. Arthur Schwartz wrote the tune. Before that, Blue Baron and his orchestra, December 19th, 1939, with I Want My Mama. The band was credited on Bluebird 10548 as Music of Yesterday and Today, styled the Blue Baron Way. The music was written by Vicente Paiva and José Luis Rodríguez Calasanz, who was better known professionally by the single name, Hararaca. The Al Stillman and Emilio del Torre lyrics were sung there by Charlie Fisher. We started off our tribute to Al Stillman with I'm Glad I Waited For You, with the music by Al Jacobs. The vocalist on that March 25, 1938 Bluebird 78, B7516, was Myron Hanley who is also credited with playing violin and directing the session. The orchestra is credited as the California Ramblers, but it's clearly not the California Ramblers directed by Ed Kirkaby that you're used to hearing on this show. For the next segment, we're going to be on our very best behavior. I've played versions of Etiquette Blues by the Six Jumping Jacks, the Mona Motor Oil Twins, and my favorite, Bob Pierce, but never by Jerome Conrad's orchestra. Well, here they are to start off a segment on etiquette. Ladies and gentlemen, how are all the folks? That's good. Off your knife. Tuck the napkin in so it will stay. 
always put both elbows on the table. Many other pointers I could mention. Always gesture with your fork. Friday means a fisher pork. Thank you for your very kind attention. My manners to a sweet young thing For the air was balmy and the time was spring I felt just like a bull of long ago When manners made the man and all that sort of thing, you know She didn't wear a gown of crinoline and lace And she held no ivory fan to mask her pretty face Her dainty measure had an old world swing And so I made my manners to that sweet young thing And I prayed with all my heart I'd use the proper phrase What were all those fancy words of old? Pardon, pretty maiden, dear Or pretty maiden, woods Do you think that I was much too bold? She seemed to understand my great distress 
And she smiled so shyly as she nodded yes I never dreamed of joys that love could bring Until I made my manners to that sweet young thing to me, but by golly, today you look funnier than ever. Where did you get those clothes? Why do you wear open face suits? Well, you look so funny yourself. What are you so dressed up for? Me? Oh, well, you see, I got six invitations for dinner this week. Six invitations for dinner? Yes. What are you going to do with them? I'm going to try to exchange four of them for breakfast. <laughs> Mike, do me a favor, please. Never wear such open face suits. They make you look too negligee. What did you say? I say you look too negligee. Negligee? Yes. What is that negligee? Negligee is the same as neglected. I look neglected? <laughs> you look more than neglected. You look forgotten. But by golly, you ain't such a stylish. Me? Look at that funny coat you got on. Funny coat? What a great style, my boy. What do you call it? You know what it is? What? It's a three-button cutaway. A three-button cutaway? Yes. <laughs> One more cut that would be on the choice. Is that so? Sure. You got the right to talk about clothes. Look at that hat you got on. What's the matter with it? You know, from here it looks to me like a fried egg. It's... Wait, where'd you get it? I had that made to order. To order? Where? To, by the Knickerbocker Ice Company. Knickerbocker Ice Company? Sure. That's no place to get a hat. The only place to get a hat in New York is in a restaurant. That's where I got mine. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Why? Why, you no friend of mine. Don't say that, Mike. I do say it. You hurt my feelings when you tell me that I ain't your friend. Uh-huh. Because I am your friend. And with my heart, I tell you that I like you. I don't know why I like you. There is, there is nothing about you to like, but, but really, Mike, believe me that I do like you. Well, you don't show that. What do you mean I don't show that? When, when I wasn't my biggest trouble, you didn't say you were sorry for me. Now, don't say that, Mike. I am your friend, and that's enough. That's enough. Maya, I tell you, you don't know the meaning of a true friend. I don't? No, sir. I'll tell you. Go ahead. A true friend is a man who knows that you're no good and is able to forget it. And that's the kind of a true friend I am to you. Ah. But you don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. No, you don't. You ain't no friend of mine. You said you were going to put me in a corporation. And I did put you in the corporation. Well, what is that corporation business? You don't know? Not yet. You, who been back of one of the largest corporations all your life, don't know? No, no, I mean, what is the definition of it? Oh, you mean the reason? Yeah. Well, a corporation is an excuse for not paying your bills. You see, it's not like a syndicate. A syndicate is a body of partners entirely surrounded by money. But the corporation 
is little or no money entirely surrounded by partners. But I like to ask myself something. Well, then ask it. What says it always on the bottom of the corporation on the table over in the corner? I-N-T Inc. I-N-T Inc.? Yeah. <laughs> that don't spell ink. What does it spell? I-N-T. That means I never settle. Joe Weber and Lou Fields, the original vaudeville two-act as Mike and Meyer, a couple of German immigrants they had created in 1885. That was Etiquette Scene, recorded by Columbia on July 3, 1912. That's one of 17 of the duo's scenes from Archeophone's new release, The Mike and Meyer Files. The CD is accompanied by a scholarly 32-page booklet which declares Weber and Fields to be the world's greatest comedy team. Find out why by visiting the website, archaeophone.com, and ordering your own copy. That's archaeophone.com. Before Weber and Fields, from considerably later, on April 23, 1940, Eddie Stone with Freddie Martin and his orchestra with I Made My Manners to a Sweet Young Thing. The words and music were written by Noel Rice. We started off that etiquette set with the etiquette blues. Jerome Conrad and his orchestra with Lester Cortez on September 14, 1928. Well, actually there was no Jerome Conrad or Lester Cortez. Those are pseudonyms on the Harmony label for the Nightclub Orchestra, directed by Harry Reeser, and vocalist Arthur Fields. And just in case you didn't, you now know where our closing of thank you for your very kind attention comes from. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. Back in the 1970s and 80s, there was an actor who appeared on shows all over television. He was a founder of the improv and sketch comedy troupe Ace Trucking Company, but you probably wouldn't recognize his name. You will, however, almost surely remember his obnoxious character named Raymond J. Johnson, Jr. You know, the guy who, when addressed as Mr. Johnson, would launch into the following tirade. Oh, you doesn't have to call me Johnson. My name is Raymond J. Johnson, Jr. Now you can call me Ray, or you can call me Jay, or you can call me Johnny, or you can call me Sonny, or you can call me Jenny. Or you can call me Ray J. Or you can call me R.J. Or you can call me R.J.J. Jr. But you doesn't have to call me Johnson. By the way, the character Raymond J. Johnson Jr.'s real name is Bill Saluga. And that whole bit was to introduce a set of rapidly rotating records in which I call you Sunshine and I call you Sweetheart and I call you Sugar, but I doesn't call you Johnson.
sugar, there's a reason to. Your lips are honey, I know that's true. A bunch of sweetness, the whole world knows. A lump of sugar, and pretty clothes. They can't make candy as sweet as you. For your pure sugar, clear through and through. Why, you're the sweetness that poets seek. I call you sugar, the sweetest sweet. How 
the San Francisco Sound of Art Hickman and his orchestra recording in San Francisco in February of 1921 with I Call You Sunshine, written by Louis Silvers. Before that, Ben Selvin's orchestra as the Cavaliers with After I've Called You Sweetheart, How Can I Call You Friend? Jack Little wrote the tune and Bernie Grossman the words, which were sung on that September 24, 1927 Columbia recording by Irving Kaufman, credited as Frank Harris. We started the set with another Selvin pseudonym, the Kensington Serenaders, with I Call You Sugar. I Call You Sugar was written by Phil Baxter and George H. Bowles, and the vocalist on that August 23, 1927 Vocalion 78, Ben Selvin. Last week, June 27th, marked the birth in 1874 in New York City of actor, songwriter, author, and theatrical producer John Lionel Golden. He grew up in Ohio, but returned to New York at age 14. He briefly attended the NYU Law School and worked for a chemical manufacturer before his show business career, which began with writing the words and music for the musical comedy Miss Print. It opened at the Victoria Theater on Christmas Day, 1900, and Golden had credits on Broadway for the next 55 years. In 1916, he began producing and staging shows. Lightnin', which opened in 1918, was attended by President Woodrow Wilson and ran for a record 1,291 performances. Golden produced the first of his four films, The Saphead, starring Buster Keaton, in 1920. Beginning in the mid-twenties, Golden owned and operated Broadway theaters, including three named after him. He was a charter member of ASCAP and was its first treasurer and a director from 1914 to 15. In 1920, Golden and his wife Margaret bought a 20-acre estate in Bayside, New York. Upon his death from a heart attack on June 17, 1955, he left the estate to the city of New York as a park for the use and enjoyment by the young people of the community of all races and creeds in a manner similar to that in which I made the property available for recreation and community acts during my lifetime. John Golden Park was dedicated on October 18, 1965, and brings joy to those of all ages in the community to this day. I hope the following songs by John Golden will bring you joy. When the dancing craze first started, I was nearly broken-hearted to discover that my shoes were full of feet that had no sense of rhythm, couldn't do a blame-ding rhythm, but just walk around and try and find a seat. When I heard the music playing, my brain kept on saying, you must move like this. But one foot always late. I knew how I should do it, but I never could get through it, because my mind and feet would not associate. But now I'm dancing grand, took lessons to beat the band. But there's one thing that I cannot understand. I can dance with everybody but my wife. We're out of step from start till we get through. The trouble is that she insists on leading me as she does in every other thing we do. I can foxtrot like a regular fox with others token cheese, but dance together, not on your life. It's one continuous wrangle. We don't tango, we just tangle. I can dance with everybody but my wife. When my wife finds some new wrinkle, like a turn, a dip, or twinkle, she wraps it up and brings it home to me. Shoves the table in the corner, and for hours I'm a goner, hopping around like an intoxicated flea. 
Please don't think I haven't tried to. I'd have laid me down and died to keep her satisfied, but it was not to be. We start in turkey trotting. She says one of us is rotten, and I got a slight suspicion it ain't me. We kicked welcome off the mat. We nearly squashed our cat. What Sherman said of war now fits our flat. I can dance with everybody but my wife. I must admit, it makes me awful sore. I think we'd get along if she wasn't quite so strong, but she pushes me completely off the floor. She thinks she'll take up skating, and I'm hoping that she does. An early fall might end my woman's strife. I love to get a bun. I'll go on skates with anyone, and I can dance with everybody but my wife. My wife has got a corn she's had, I think, since she was born, and it's the most persistent corn I ever saw. No matter where I tread, it always gets there just ahead. And when I step on it, you ought to hear a roar. She says the dancing used to be the way that she reduced herself, but still she don't look nothing like a pawn. I've even taken pains to ask my wife to put on chains, because I know that if she ever skids, I'm gone. Of her figure, she feels proud, and I mustn't say this loud, but I feel as though I'm dancing with a crowd. I can dance with everybody but my wife. There ain't no use around to beat the bush. She'll look at me and sneer, and she makes me feel so queer, I never know which foot it's time to push. She told a friend the other night, our quarrel won't last long. It's just a little temporary strife. I don't want to be contrary, but it's a long ways to temporary. I can dance with everybody but my wife. When a couple start in dancing, if you happen to be glancing, you will see before they move a half an inch. If her toe he merely grazes and she looks as mad as blazes, you can bet your life they're married, that's a sin. If on the other hand he's shocking and he's stepping on her stocking and dancing so she ought to go to law, if she doesn't make a holler, you can bet your bottom dollar that he's walking on some other fella's squaw. She'll look up in his eyes, and then she softly sighs. It's my fault, please don't apologize. He can walk on any woman but his wife. Tear a dress, she says, that's all right. But if a hubby, dear, with the white one half as clear, she'd sue him for divorce that very night. With others, I'm as graceful as a young gazette. But with her, it's just a struggle and a strife. I can dance as good as castle, but with her, it's just a rattle. I can dance with everybody but my wife. I'm a fall of misty mist and sky of plummet. 
Oh 
John Golden's best-known song, Poor Butterfly, performed there by Red Nichols and his Five Pennies. Raymond Hubble wrote the tune, and Scrappy Lambert sang the vocal chorus on Brunswick 20062, recorded February 3, 1928. The song was inspired by the central character in Puccini's opera Madame Butterfly, and was introduced by Sophie Bernard in The Big Show, which opened at the Hippodrome on August 31, 1916, and ran for 425 performances, becoming a smash hit. Before Poor Butterfly, it was the Shannon Four, tenors Charles Hart and Harvey Hindermeyer, baritone Elliot Shaw and basso profundo and founder Wilfred Glenn, with Melody Land. Victor 18400 was recorded October 4, 1917. Melody Land was also composed by Hubble and is from the music review Cheer Up, again staged at the Hippodrome Theater, opening on August 23, 1917. You had 456 chances to catch it. We begin our tribute to John Golden with Joseph Cawthorn from all the way back on March 9, 1916, with I Can Dance With Everybody But My Wife. Joseph Cawthorn was born March 29, 1868, and began his show business career at age four. He appeared in minstrel shows in vaudeville and made his Broadway debut around 1895. After more than 20 years on the New York stage, he moved to Hollywood and began a new career, appearing in more than 50 films, the last in 1942. Joseph Cawthorn died on January 21, 1949. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always... Thank you for your very kind attention.